Last, last Sunday, we talked about letting our light shine. Remember, uh, just, just shining the light of Christ through us into the community. We're going to kind of continue with that sort of thought today. Uh, today, Entrusted with Talents, we're going to look at the uh, parable of the talents in Matthew, but why don't we just pray first, and then we'll, we'll dig into that. Father, we thank you for your word. I, I just love uh, learning uh, about you and drawing near to you through your word. I thank you for the opportunity to, to grow and to stretch our faith and to stretch our trust in you as, as we are challenged by your word. And I pray that you would challenge us this morning to really take those things that you have given us and entrusted us with and multiply them for your kingdom. Amen. All right, as I said, this is Matthew 25, and uh, we'll just we'll read through it together and then come back and, and make a few uh, comments. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. A couple of... uh, Contextual kind of uh, comments here. First of all, so this is a parable. Parable is uh, one of the ways that Jesus communicated most often. He, he used parables to teach lessons. Parable is a story that teaches a lesson. And it's a story from everyday life. It's something Jesus would tell a story uh, that would relate to his audience, something they would be familiar with. And uh, the story really... Is, is the setup for the point. The point is the point. And sometimes we have a tendency to want to, especially um, 
intellectual people, scholars, theologians will tear apart parables and try to pick at every little detail and sort of figure out what every detail means. And, and we can get kind of caught up in that when really, when reading parables, we really want to look at what's the, what's the main message? What is Jesus trying to communicate here and not miss the point? The second thing uh, I'll say on this particular parable, you, you may have noticed this updated version of, NI, of the NIV uh, has changed the word talent to bags of gold. Most of us have grown up, we've read this or, or studied this or heard it before as the parable of the talents. Um, it was changed because uh, talent doesn't communicate real well because the word talent in English today means something a little bit different than it meant to uh, them then. In, in the original Greek, the word is talantos, or talantan, which we translate talent. But when we think of a talent, we think of a, a, an ability that someone has. You can, you can sing or dance or play an instrument, I don't know, you know, whatever. You have a talent. Uh, but what talent meant then is it was actually a measure of weight for gold or silver. So when they would uh, determine how much gold or silver was worth, <coughs> they would weigh it on a scale. <coughs> and the... Uh, Measurement for that was a talent. Now, a talent, uh, again, so we're, <coughs> we're trusting scholarship. We don't, nobody knows exactly how much a talent was. Most sources estimate it to be about 75 pounds. I read two or three different um, commentaries. They all said it was about 75 pounds. Some said that translated to today, that would be a million dollars. Some said it would be... Uh, equivalent to about 20 years wages for a day laborer. So if you're a day laborer getting paid hourly, it'd be about 20 years worth of wages. So I went with, with this. In February 2016, the international price of gold was about uh, $1,190 U.S. per troy ounce. One gram about costs about $38. At this price, a talent, 33 kilograms or 75 pounds, would be worth about $1.25 million. So Regardless of which of those sort of, you know, things you go with, the, the point is this, that's a, that's a fairly significant sum of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, the master is a wealthy person with a lot of money, and he has entrusted some of that to his servants. Um, this would have been something that, that, you know, Jesus was telling this story that his audience would have been familiar with. This was a fairly common practice a wealthy businessman would have servants, and he's going to go away. It doesn't tell us if he's going on vacation, he's doing a business trip, we don't know, but he's going away for a while. So he's entrusting some of his, his holdings to his servants to take care of while he's gone. I think of this uh, sometimes uh, in the year Donna and I got married, 1982, we felt led to go to South Africa for two months to help plant a vineyard church, the first vineyard church there. At that time, I owned a, a small gardening business, and so I had different clients that I worked for. And, and so the challenge with leaving for two months was leaving my business. Of course, you know, you, 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 I, you couldn't just do that. So I had a, a friend of mine, a guy that I had known kind of growing up, who was also a gardener, and he, was, he didn't have much work going on right then. So I asked him if he would be interested in running my business for me while I was gone. And it was a little bit of a risk, you know. Uh, 
but he, he, he prayed about it and said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll run it for you. So, uh, so we left and, and went and, and, you know, this was 1982. There were no cell phones then. There was no email then. There was none of that stuff. So I, I maybe talked to him once, maybe twice on the phone. You know, I don't remember how much a phone call from South Africa cost back in those days, but it was a few bucks. Uh, but basically I was just out of sight. You know, I didn't, was gone. And uh, I, I came back, and I was a little concerned, you know, do I, do I still have a business when I come home, right? And uh, so I got together with him and said, how'd it go? He goes, oh, it went really good. It went really good. He goes, yeah, everybody's, everybody's doing fine. Everybody's good. He goes, hey, I, uh, I, I hope it's okay. I, I picked up a few new accounts. I go, what? He goes, yeah, I, I, some, some, this guy asked me if I would do his line. I said, yeah, and then this other guy. And so I... I I, I picked up a few new accounts. So he actually multiplied my business while I was gone. And uh, I just was so incredibly blessed. I was hoping to come back and have something left, but I actually came back and had more than what I had left with. It was a great deal. So it was, it was very, uh, a very good feeling, you know, and I, I think that that's what's happening here. This man is going away, and he's entrusting his livelihood, he's entrusting his holdings, he's entrusting his wealth to, to these servants and hoping that they'll take good care of it while he's gone. Jesus tells us in the story that he, he gave one five, one two, one one, so each according to their ability. He must have known them and had some history and experience with them. And now this guy's more experienced, he's got this going and this one, this one. But, but in any case, he, he entrusted his holdings to them. He's expecting a return on his investment. That's, I, I think, fairly obvious from the text, that he's expecting something back in return. Uh, so, so what's the point of the story? I, I think there's one main point with kind of two sides to it that we can learn here. The first thing is this, and I think this is crucial for us to understand, not only in understanding this story, but really in understanding the kingdom of God and, and, and really in understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The first thing is this, that every positive thing we have in life is a gift from God. Whatever it is that we have is a gift from God. Uh, your health is a gift from God. If you have mobility, if you can move and, and walk, and if you, if you have eyes to see, and if you have... Um, the ability to hear whatever, those things are gifts from God. So are those little children. They are adorable little gifts, are they not? Um, they're gifts from God. Any resource you have, okay, is a gift from God. The, the, the money you have, regardless of whether you have a lot or a little, it's a gift from God. Intelligence is a gift from God. Creativity is a gift from God. If you have a beautiful singing voice, it's a gift from God. Uh, you can build things. You can fix things. Different people, I know, you know you, some of you have very different gifts, different skills. All of those things, whatever it is, is a gift from God. Uh, we remember back about a year ago, we went through the book of James, and our friend James tells us that every, every, every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything we have is a gift from God. Now, God uses people. The beauty of the kingdom of God is the cooperative sort of dynamic. 
And so sometimes gifts come through other people, right? So, so if let's just say you do have a beautiful singing voice, or maybe uh, you're just, you know, handsome. Um, you probably can thank your parents for that, right? Uh, if you have, uh, maybe you got a new job and you got that job because, you know, somebody, your previous employer or somebody else gave you a really, really stellar recommendation. They said, no, hire this guy. This guy's really, really good. He's the one you want. Well, he, you know, you can thank him for that. Maybe you got a scholarship to college and you got that because, you know, of somebody else's recommendation to you. There's, there's different people that God might use in the process. But ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we recognize that all of those things come from him. The world is oppressed by principalities and powers <coughs> that are out to steal, kill, and destroy. Last week we talked about the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah said, thick darkness covers the land, right? And any goodness that shows up is ultimately because God has, God's rule has penetrated that darkness and pressed through and allowed goodness to to move in and among his people and his children, and all those good gifts are from him. We know that there is also God, God <coughs> grants us <coughs> free will, and that God's good gifts can be thwarted, right? There are, there are demonic presences in the world as well as people who sometimes will... Uh, make decisions to move against God's will, and so God's will can be thwarted, and bad things happen. It's complex. The whole situation is complex. But the point is simply that it's all from Him. The, the good things that happen are from Him. And as such, we, like the servants in the story, have been entrusted with good gifts from God. The things that we have that are good have come from Him. He's entrusted us with them, and like the master in the story, God is looking for ROI. He's looking for a return on his investment. He is, his expectation is that we would take those gifts and we would put them to use uh, today. Um, th- there's a responsibility that we have. Uh, this is So when we say blessed to be a blessing, we've been talking about that for a long time. This is another way of saying the same thing, right? We are blessed, we've been, we've, we are blessed by God in a variety of ways, but that comes with uh, a job. It comes with a responsibility that we now take what God has given us and we use it to further His kingdom, to make Him known, to glorify His name in the world. We share what God has entrusted with us with others. We don't dig a hole and bury it in the ground. This isn't speaking to just uh, people in the ministry, to pastors and leaders. It's not speaking to evangelists and worship leaders. He's not speaking to people who have uh, a lot of gifts and a lot of talents, people who have a lot of money. Who is included in this uh, message here is followers of Jesus. If, if you have said yes, yes, I'm committed. I'm in. I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to submit my life to Him and follow after Him. I prayed the prayer. I did whatever. Uh, you need to know that that comes with a responsibility. 
that when you say yes to him, you say yes to his purpose and his cause in the world today as well. He has entrusted you now to further his kingdom and share who he is with other people. Uh, this week, we, we, of course, celebrated the 4th of July, uh, you know, Independence Day, the birth of our nation. And um, one of the things that I am uh, very aware of as I have continued my sort of spiritual journey and become more and more aware of in recent years, and, and I realize maybe some of you don't agree, but that's okay. Um, something I've become aware of is that in our country in particular, there, there are fundamental principles of, of being an American that sometimes bump up against being a follower of Jesus. Uh, one of those is that, as an American, it's my life. And I do what I want with it. And I have the right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what it means to be an American. And legally, yes, that's absolutely 100% true. It's, that's the law. It's the law of the land. You do have that right. And I would say, as far as laws go, it's a, it's a relatively good law. The problem is it's very bad theology. It's not biblically based whatsoever. You've been bought with a price. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life is not your own. Your life is His. And everything that you have is from God. And He has entrusted it to you to be used for His kingdom. You can use the things you have to bless others or to bless yourself. Uh, you, you can take your gifts, your talents... And you can use those to, in the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness so that you become and you have this thing or this person, whatever it is that, that you believe is the American dream and that you can you know, live peacefully and happily ever after. Or you can say, I'm going to use these things that God's given me to further His kingdom and to be a blessing to other people. There really is a principle. It's, there's, this is, to me, clear all throughout Scripture. It's said in... What was that? Don't worry about it. Okay. I'll trust you. Woo. Uh, principle of sowing and reaping is another way to say this. So you sow and you reap. And if you sow to yourself, uh, you'll reap to yourself. You probably, I mean, it'll work. You'll reap to yourself. Uh, but if you sow into the kingdom, you'll, you'll reap to the kingdom. Jesus puts it this way. Well done. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. So here's the, here's the thing. The more you give, the more you get to give. The more you give, the more you get to give. If you build unto yourself, you build unto yourself. But if you give to the kingdom, if you sow to the kingdom, you get more to give back. And, and now here's, here's the kicker in this. And this is something I think that... We, we, need, we need to really recognize, and it's that last little phrase at the bottom of verse 21. Come and share your master's happiness. The older version of the NIV says, come and enter into your master's joy. 
If you invest everything you have or whatever gifts or talents you've been given into building your own kingdom in the pursuit of happiness, you'll never find it. Because you'll always come up short. You'll always want a little bit more. You'll always wish I could get just this next thing. I, you know, I got the boat, but now I need a bigger boat. And I got the house, now I need the bigger house. And I got the car, now I need the faster car. Um, there's always something else you can get. But if you conversely sow that into the kingdom, I think you begin to find uh, true joy. We're created in the image of God, and God was self-giving and self-sacrificial. He gave of Himself. Uh, he endured the cross so that His joy would be complete. He found joy in giving of Himself uh, because in doing so, He knew that His his love would be multiplied and more people would be touched, more people would be loved, his joy would be multiplied in giving of himself. We just see this all throughout the Scripture. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's the same idea. If you have a self-absorbed life and you lose it for the sake of Jesus, you find true joy. If you give your life in the name of Jesus, you lose that, that self-centeredness, that self-absorption, and, and you begin to find a place of peace and a place of joy and a place of contentment in life that you cannot find anywhere else. Um, this doesn't mean, it's not a call to asceticism or some sort of a weird thing where you, uh, you know, where to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't totally disregard self-care. I, I, I was thinking about it this week. I've been reading different things. And uh, one thing I realized is, you know, our bodies are one of those things that are a gift from God. And so we should take care of those too, right? So it's not like don't take care of yourself. Yeah, take care of yourself. That's part of the process. Uh, we should love ourselves. We don't not love ourselves. But in, in so doing, we, we don't love ourselves unto an end in itself. We love ourselves so that we have more to give and care for others. Whether you've been given one talent, five talents, ten talents, it doesn't matter. Whatever you've been given, you utilize that in the interest of God's kingdom. That's God's economy, and that's God's prescription for joy. That's how we find real joy in Him, is, is by giving of what we have been given to others. I... I uh, I think I've shared this before. Maybe some of you don't remember but, or weren't here. But years and years ago, I was a youth pastor, and I had a kid in my group who was just going through a hard time. He was all mopey. You know what I mean? You ever, anybody ever met a mopey teenager? No. <laughs> oh. He was just kind of mopey. I don't think anything was majorly wrong, but he was just mopey. You know, he was having a rough go. I said, okay, hey, look, uh, meet me Sunday morning right after church outside here, and we'll... we'll See what we can do to work on this a little bit. Okay, cool. So our church had a, uh, I forget what we called it, but we had a, a, a lunch. We actually served hot lunches to, to homeless people on Sunday afternoons. And so we would go over and, and uh, you know, you could work in the line and make the food and serve them. So the kid comes to me. He goes, where are we going? I go, we're going next door. And he goes, what, what, why are we going over there? I go, well, we're going to make burritos. He goes, what? We're going to make burritos today. Why? Just follow me. 
And we went over, and so Mr. Mopey, you know, he puts his gloves on, and he starts, you know, serving burritos. And then pretty soon he's smiling, and he's, and he's talking to people, and he's happy. And I, I see that just in the matter of, of, of really, you know, minutes, maybe a half hour, 45 minutes, his demeanor changed, and he began to find joy in getting outside of his own stuff a little bit and serving somebody else. It was, it was a pretty interesting little social experiment there. You know, uh, it occurs to me that maybe, I, I don't know, human nature, you get a little bit miffed because somebody else got more than you. He, he got ten talents, I got one. So what am I, chopped liver? Um, let me just say this. You know, there's a lot of things you can do with that. If you feel like you got shortchanged in the, in the distribution of talents, there's a couple of approaches you can take to this. One would be, you know, you could go to counseling, you know, or take Xanax, primal scream therapy. And <laughs> I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things. I think those can be, well, not primal scream therapy, but the other stuff can be helpful at times. Um, uh, but what I would do first is this. Give thanks for the one talent you got and start giving of that and see if God doesn't multiply that talent and give you back some more and if you don't begin to find joy in the process. Seriously, even if you have just a little bit, you go, well, I don't have very much. You give of that little bit and you begin to feel God's presence and find God's joy and God multiplies back to you more that you have more to give. Here, here's the thing. You are a gift. You're a gift. You really are. We've been given gifts to give because we are a gift. So, so be the gift. Be the gift. If you find yourself, and this is here, I, I realize, in our, in our spiritual journey, sometimes we find ourselves, people will say, I'm, I'm stagnant or I'm um, whatever, I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not growing. I feel like I've, I've, I'm out of touch with God. Sometimes in life, beyond sort of our spiritual reality, we just find ourselves bored or restless in life. And here's what I think happens very often when we find ourselves in that place is that we have our capacity to give has outgrown our giving. We have more capacity to give than what we're currently giving and so what we have to do is, is give a little more. And we find that we, we, we move past that place of, of being stagnant. Um, application is this, I think. Uh, as we approach a thousand hours, I want to encourage everyone to consider what you have to give and give it. And... And, and, and look, here's the thing. I'm, I'm praying for opportunities during that time to interact with people on a significant level where maybe you have opportunities to pray with someone. Maybe you have opportunity to, to pray for somebody for healing or some other situation in their life. Maybe you have an opportunity to lead someone to Christ. But I think this, regardless of if those kinds of things happen or not, you will have opportunities to change someone's day to make their day a little brighter, to smile at them, to tell them that, that you care, that someone values them, that God loves them, that there's, that there's a reality that maybe they have not been in touch with and you have an opportunity to change their day. So just consider whatever, 
small thing you've been given, the talents you have, and how you might be able to give those away. 